Well, it's a joy to once again be back in the uh, behind the sacred desk, as they say. Um, if you would turn with me this morning to John chapter seventeen. Last week, last Sunday at this time, really, uh, I was worshiping alongside twenty-four thousand people. Um, and that was quite a thing. I've never never done that before. And so it reminded me of a little taste of heaven, you know, with all these people, hands lifted, crying out to God, worshiping Jesus as King. Uh, well, that kind of thing will get you fired up. <clears throat> we, if we could see ourselves this morning, are worshiping with a host of people. Uh, heaven this morning is worshiping. And we too join into that worship. John 17 is where we're going to begin this morning. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. Surely you won't get bored when it's for the red letters, right? Uh, That probably wouldn't be a good thing. Notice here in John chapter 17... What Jesus says here, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours." All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has lost, been lost except the son of destruction, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. 
Your word is truth. Sanctify them, or sorry, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that You have sent Me. I made known to them Your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which You have loved Me may be in them and I in them. Jesus, what a prayer. Thank You. Thank You for praying for us. Thank You for praying for me. Even in my wickedness, before I turned to You, You prayed this prayer. Before I received the Gospel from my parents, You had prayed for me. And all those who will believe. What a word. What a prayer. Help us now understand some things about prayer so that we can walk out of this place in full confidence that we are your sons and daughters. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all long to do something significant. No one's really proud of laying up on the couch eating Cheetos and drinking Coke all day. You know, most people don't get framed on some wall in an institution for doing that. We want to live a life of significance. We want to know that our life at the end of the day counts. We want to know that when we've taken our last breath, we've done something worthwhile for someone or some cause. You know, most of us though would probably say at certain points in our life, maybe at this point in our life, I'm not there yet. I'm not really doing something significant. Or maybe we don't feel like we're doing something worthwhile or have done something or built something in this world worth sharing. Maybe we feel stuck. You know, the disciples were like that, weren't they? 
They were with Jesus of all people, God, and yet here they are fumbling around with him, trying to act like they're important. You know, I'm sure they're trying to dress like him. You know, he did his if he did his uh, robe a certain way, that's how they wore it. You know, he, if he left the top button undone, and they they probably, you know, they were trying to be important. They were trying to be significant. You know, Peter jumps out there and tries to do significant things, and the Lord says, "Hey, only God could have shared that with you, Peter." To know that I was the Christ. And he jumps out there and says, Well, hey, let me, let me crack something else. Come over here real quick. Let me share this with you, brother. You're not going to go and die. He says, Get behind me, Satan, in front of the whole group. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. They're not God's thoughts, but Satan's, the evil ones. The disciples, as they're fumbling around, trying to make sense of what Jesus is doing, trying to find significance in their own life, probably feeling stuck most of the time on how to be significant, how to do something worthwhile, Jesus prays this last prayer that He prays. This is the last prayer that we have that Jesus prayed. It's also the longest prayer that Jesus prayed. It's a whole chapter worth of praying. It's also one of the most significant prayers for us. As you know, I've challenged you in this church that during the next 40 days, which we're already in day 11 or something of the sort. I'm not good at math. We start on Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 14 days in, is that right? No. (laughs) 11 days in. There you go. See, that's how good my math is. Um, Thanks. Thanks, Paul, mathematician. Um, engineer. So we're 11 days in a 40-day fast, not counting the Sundays again. Uh, And so I've asked you to pray. I've asked you to really pray. Now, if, if, you know, the the last recorded words of someone, that's significant. You know, we know John Wesley's last recorded words, uh, who's the founder of Methodism. The last recorded words that we have of him, he's way late into his 80s, uh, his family's around him. What what was left of his family is around him as he's dying. You know they didn't die in hospital beds, off with nurses and doctors back then. They died at home, and so he's surrounded by his family. And his last words is, "The best of all is God is with us. <laughs> the best of all of life is the best of eighty years of serving God. The best of all uh, is that God is with us." Last words are significant. Jesus' last actions and last words are absolutely significant. This is it. As you can see, the red lettering gets speckled the rest of John. Because he goes and is betrayed, arrested, dies, and resurrects. The last thing he does with his disciples is actually to pray for them. So I want to focus on prayer the next few Sundays while we're in Lent. I want to focus on prayer. It's what I've asked you and challenged you with. And now in my sermons, I want to share a few things from the Scripture that are important for us to understand. You say, you know, typically when you talk about, well, let's pray more. Let's be a little more specific about our praying, a little more intentional about our praying. The first question that kind of comes to mind is, well, what is praying? I mean, if we're going to... If we're going to pray, then we need to know at least a little bit about what praying is. Really, that question is kind of like the question, what is love? 
Or how would I love? We've all seen love. We've all experienced some sort of love. And yet it's really difficult to define love, isn't it? It's really, really tough to really get down to one definition. We could all say, oh yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. Um, because at the end of the day, love is so close to us that it's really tough to define. So too is praying. But if we want to get simple this morning, which I do, uh, praying is just talking to God. That's it. <laughs> Interestingly, here in John chapter 17... When it says here, when Jesus spoke in these words, He lifted His eyes to heaven and said. It doesn't even say He prayed. It just says, and said. Now there are six different Greek words that I won't bore you with. In a Greek, for praying or prayer. <clears throat> intercession, so on and so forth. This is not one of them. Jesus is just speaking here. And His speaking, His talking is prayer. Again, at the base definition of what is prayer is talking to God. Now, we have a talker in our house. And I don't just mean Jessica. I mean the little boy that's sitting beside Jessica this morning, uh, Mr. Bo. He is learning to talk, right? Now, what is the only way to learn to talk? Is to talk and to do it uh, incessantly, so to speak, uh, constantly, almost annoyingly. Everything we say, he repeats it. Uh, when he's playing his DS, I mean, it's constant. Adad, you know, Adad. Okay, I, I can understand when the when the I know what Mario sounds like when he passes away. Um, you know, you uh, know, you don't have to tell me every time, and yet he does. He tells me exactly what he's wanting and tells me again. Why? Because he's learning. He's picking up languages. It's the only way to learn another language. If you ever learn Spanish or Greek or French, you know that you have to speak it or you're going to lose it. <laughs> like most of you probably have, that language. Uh, if you don't keep up with it, keep speaking it, you're going to lose it. So too with prayer. We don't need to read more books about prayer. That's not, that's not what we need to do. We don't need to take another class on prayer. You don't need to do a dissertation on prayer. Instead, we need to start praying. That's one of the most important things about prayer is to just begin. <laughs> just like talking. You have to begin somewhere. It may not all be right. Here, Jesus is just talking to His Father. The term there is not even praying. It's just the same term that if He was talking to His disciples, now He turns and is talking to His Father. Doesn't Paul do this in his epistles? Yeah. He, he's sitting there writing his, his letter to these guys, and all of a sudden he'll just break out into a prayer. And you're, and you're trying to, you know, as, a, as an interpreter, you're trying to differentiate, okay, is, is he praying or is he writing his letter? Both. There is no difference. Pray without ceasing. Pray always. Action is prayer. No talking can be prayer. Somebody can cut out our tongue and yet we can still pray. Because I can turn my attention to God. I can talk to God by faith. 
I don't have to talk out loud. But on a basic level, praying is talking to God. It's a universal thing, by the way. This is not something that just Christians do. This morning, Buddhists pray. At least from the Mahayana group. Not Theravada, they're atheists. Hindus pray to the different gods and goddesses. You say, well, yeah, but hang on. (laughs) Non-religious people don't pray, Marshall. I'd beg to differ. I read a couple of accounts this past week of, uh, of different people who who considered themselves atheists. This one guy said he, he picked up a fellow one night on the side of the road, uh, give him a ride, thought he would do something good. <clears throat> he said he never prayed in his life. He said uh, when, he, when he told the guy to get in the car, the guy got in behind him, in the back. He said, well, for the first time I prayed. When we get in a bind, when something makes us nervous, when we're not in control anymore, we call out to something. Interestingly, in... Communist Russia. You say, well, they surely stomped out praying there. Well, there was an underground church there, just like there's operating in China today. But not only this, get what they did. (laughs) Here's actually what happened in, in, in communist China. They said, okay, if you get into a difficulty at your work and you don't know what to do, think of Stalin. Think of him and let him guide you. If you have trouble in your relationships and you don't know what to do, think of him. Think of Stalin. And he will make things right. You will get guidance when you begin to think like he thinks. I thought to myself as I was reading that. They were praying to Stalin. They were praying to the state. The state supplied all of their needs according to its riches and glory. They were praying to Stalin. That's what we do when we pray is we think about God. I get into a bind in a relationship. Someone's mistreating me. I don't just ask myself what to do. Rather, I say, I need to think of Jesus. What would Jesus do? Jesus, would you help me do what you would do? Even the communists were praying. (laughs) We pray. Humans pray. All over the world, throughout history, it's a universal cry. We pray. It's the most natural thing in the world is to talk and to relate to one another. So too with the divine. So too with God. So too with Jesus Christ. But prayer is more than just talking to God. It's also talking with God. Go back to Bo. Bo's never going to really know how to communicate unless he talks with us. (laughs) Because he's not sitting here studying a a dictionary and then says, hey, you know what, guys, I learned a new word today. No. He picks up everything as we talk with him. So I say, Bo, you don't do that. No, no. (laughs) I was waiting for it. Um, He doesn't know what no means. At first, he learns real quick. Yeah. He learns real quick what yes means, what sorry means. And we had an episode last night where, where it took pulling teeth, so to speak, not literally, um, to get him to say sorry to his brother who he just bit on the arm. Now, did, now, now, now we're, you know, Jessica and I are debating, does he really know what sorry means at this point? He knows what it means when I tell him, you tell your brother you're sorry. 
No. You say no, sir, to me. No, sir. That's not the right answer. <laughs> Sorry to Baylor. We work with him for 15 minutes. Finally, he comes in there begrudgingly and says, Sorry, Burr. We have to talk with God if we're ever going to be effective with our praying. We need to listen to Jesus' prayer here in order to know how to pray. We need to pray with brothers and sisters in the faith in order to learn to pray. It's not just talking to God, it's also receiving from God. This is a mutual thing. This is a relationship. It's as easy to pray as it is to talk to Bob today. And Bob's a pleasant person to talk to. We just start talking and listening and expecting. John 17.3 here is my life verse. It became my life verse on a wintry night 14 years ago, this February 28th of 1999. I was 17 years old, at an interesting place in my own life, had been Christian all my life, and yet was lacking something. Unbeknownst to me, it was a love for God. I did all the right things. I had faith in God. I obeyed God. But that love, that passion, that giving yourself completely to Him, like in a marriage, I wasn't there. And on that night, about 8.30 at night, (laughs) I met Jesus in, in a way that I can't describe here to you. Everybody in the room was on the floor. There was no one standing. Even the hardest person, I saw them fall to the ground. Not they got down on the ground. I don't know if they fell or not. I was praying. I looked around at one point and everybody was on their face before God. It's the only time I've ever been in a room where that happened. Uh, do I look back that at that and try to emulate that here? No, no. God works differently in different times and places. There's only one Exodus. You know, there's only one Abraham. Um, but I appreciated that night because I got on my face before God and gave Him my entire life. And that night He called me to preach, and the next day I went and preached. It was a bam-bam thing. I was trying to be obedient as I could. I was 17, and I still have that sermon, and you'll never hear it. <laughs> One day I'm sure it'll be published and uh, be embarrassing for me, but until that day, it's locked in a vault on VHS. <laughs> Not even able to get it on Facebook, interestingly, or YouTube. And most of the message was me just telling people how much I love Jesus. Because I'd fallen in love. That's praying. Praying is loving. It's loving God. It's thinking of Him. It's literally carrying God in our soul. What the Bible calls our heart. I do this when I go on trips. I carry my family with me. Not in pictures on my phone. They're in here. If I lose my phone, I haven't lost them. No, no, no. My my kids, my wife, they're in my body. In my soul, more particularly. They're not just lodged in this brain of mine. They're in here. I can feel 
them when I'm gone. I miss them right here. Sinking feeling. So too with God. Do we carry God in our heart in that real way? You know, one of the most elementary things is, is we try to teach our boys, you know, hey, we need Jesus in our heart. And yet it's not elementary at all. It's the greatest mystery in all of the world. We can carry God in our soul. I don't even... What do you do with that? God can live in us. Isn't that what He just prayed? Father, just as I am in you... I mean, did you hear all that? I am in you and you are in me. And it's almost confusing. Because we're one. There ought not to be that separation. Well, here's my Christian life when I come to church. And here's my business life. And here's my family life. And here's my entertainment life. No, no, no. One. One. Jesus in all things. Jesus above all things. God can live in the human heart. The human soul. In your... That's good news, folks. If you don't know about it, that's good news. We can be one with God. There's no better news that you'll ever hear in all of your life. You see, prayer is talking to God, but it's also talking with God. That's different. When I talk with my wife, I'm on a different level than when I'm talking to Bo. He doesn't understand certain things. Jackson's just beginning this thing where he's starting to talk with me, and I'm thinking, who are you? You know, you're, I'm supposed to be telling you everything and informing you. How are you informing me of what I need to be doing? Mama said you needed to be Well, just leave that one alone, right? Falling in love with prayer, praying, continuing, it's like falling in love with a person. You can't get enough of it. I remember the night that uh, I fell in love with Jessica. It was the beginning of a fall, at least for me. I wasn't aware of it at the time fully, but uh, she captivated me on that night when I was on my spring break. Ten years ago, interestingly. Back in, what was it, March? Yeah, I actually looked it up in my journal last night. Um, March 12th, actually. I have it in my notes here. What do you say? Um, Getting some points here, right? For a 10-year thing. Uh, So we met, and, you know, I wasn't expecting anyone like her to be there. Of course, I positioned myself in front of her so that she wouldn't miss me. And afterward, I made a beeline to her to make sure she didn't miss me again. And from that point on, I thought of her and... It went from there to where I spent the summer with her, and then we got engaged in September. So from March to September, it was a very clear thing to me. I wanted, I wanted her, and she wanted me. It's a mutual thing, love is. And relationship was born. A relationship that to this day is, has to be cultivated, has to be nurtured. So too with prayer. Prayer's not a one-time thing. You don't do it when you're 5 or 12 or 30, just one... No, it's continually because this is a relationship. If you can love in your life, you can love God. Actually, you got to love God in order to love really. You don't know what love is. We don't fully comprehend what it is if we are not... That's why it's got to be in all of our lives. God, family, 
than work. Knowing God is salvation. That's what he just... Verse 3, this is my, again my life first, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. What is salvation? What is being saved? It's knowing God. That's what it is. It's connecting yourself to Jesus, particularly. It's also loving God with all of your heart. Not just knowledge here, but love here. Working together. It's that hunger you have to be with that person. You can't even eat. I mean, me, I couldn't even hardly eat after I chose Jessica. I was just elated that she would choose me. That's why praying is more important than food. Doesn't Jesus make this point? You must fast and pray. When you fast and pray in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Because why is praying more important than food? Well, because the soul is more important than the body. That's why. We're going to get a new body one day. You won't get a new soul. That soul has to be prepared now for heaven. Or your body will never make it. Prayer is food for the soul. How many of us are starving? How many of us are hungry in life and we can't really locate why we're not doing significant things? Prayer. Jesus, the last thing He did was pray. That's significant. You know what He does now? What did we just say in the creed? He's seated at the Father's right hand. Doing what? Chilled back in His lazy boy? Drinking some coke? No. No, no, no. No. He is interceding. He's praying. That's God's work now. Apparently, it's the greatest work you can possibly do is to pray. And yet, it's the most simple thing we can do. If you can talk, you can pray. If you can relate, you can pray. If you can sign, you can pray. Everybody can pray. And everybody can pray all the time and anywhere. There's no restrictions on prayer. Reading, restrictions. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You don't want to read while you're going down the road. I know it's a good thing to read the Bible. Don't do it on your phone while you're driving. Not only is it illegal, but you get yourself killed. Go meet the one you're reading about. The only condition for praying, the only condition is faith. That's it. We've got to believe that somebody is on the other line. That's really it. Now, we have faith in a lot of things, namely email. Think about email with me real quick. I shoot out an email to my students, right? I throw up a study guide for them. They've got a test Tuesday. Can I get amen? I throw it out there in the virtual world. I can't see that world. I don't see the fiber optics and the different wires and the different processes that make that go out into the world and how they get it and if they get You know what? I trust that they get it. I throw it up there and by faith on Tuesday I walk into my class and say, we've got an exam, folks. Yeehaw! And I expect people to say, man, I'm ready. I'm pumped for this thing. Or not. Ooh. You see, with email, 
we're shooting something out there that we can't see. I don't see all those people. I don't personally call them and contact them. But you know what? I, by faith, expect that things are going to get done. In faith, the only condition to praying is faith. And if that's so, then that means I've got to believe that when I pray to God, lay myself out, I've got to expect something. A lot of times we just kind of pray and act as if eh, things are just do whatever they do. No. Expect God to answer. When you're fishing, expect that line to tug. You can't just be... That's not the way you fish. Not really. When that line tugs, the faith becomes reality. There are certain things happening. Just like in the email world. The world operates by this email and this invisible whole world that we have. Things are happening. Things are happening in your life. And it's a direct result because of prayer. Someone was praying for you. You didn't just show up here by accident. You didn't get involved with this church by accident. Someone was praying for you. Your salvation started with somebody else praying for you. Prayer is a reality. And we need to expect it by faith. It's the only way to pray. James says, if you don't pray with full faith, don't expect anything from God. Why don't we get our prayers answered? Most of the time it's because we are praying either the wrong prayers, we're not praying according to God's will, or we're closed. I had an experience the other month where we found out that we were having another boy. And so we were ready to announce it, right? So I go into Facebook, status, fourth boy. You know, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I'm like, I'm a man-producing man. You know what I mean? I got so much testosterone that I produce four men uh, myself. Um, and so I'm pumped about this. You know, so I put it on Facebook. I'm expecting all, you know, I'm, I'm expecting it to go viral, quite frankly. <laughs> Jessica's Facebook is blowing up, you know, and I'm like, man, this is, you know, I go check mine, nothing. I'm like, okay, that's fine, you know, people just hadn't got off work, whatever, you know, people are, people are being good today and not checking it at work, and so, so I, you know, go out there at night, nothing, so I'm like, well, you know, they're probably just seeing Jessica's and, and kind of responding to her and not necessarily to me, so I go check the next day, nothing, nada, silch, nil. And I tell Jessica, I said, Man, no, nobody's even liked my status. Like, not, not even one person clicked the like button. Much less comments and said, hey, congratulations, bro, you know, good job, way to go, you know, whatever, you're crazy, you know. Um, nothing. And so I said, surely, babe, something's got to be going on in my settings that, that people are not seeing this or something, or maybe this is a joke or something. They've all conglomerated and whatnot. And so I go into my settings and I realize that I've got it on private settings and no one can even see it but me. <laughs> so I say, whoo! And so, you know, I put up a, I put up a second one and, and, and tell my uh, dumbness in, in that one and of course everybody ends up liking it goes viral and so on and so forth you know <clears throat> at least to me it gets a, over a hundred likes right you know we're like that in prayer though aren't we that's why we can't receive from God 
is because we're closed off to God. We think this thing is just me and about me. And so most of our prayers are about, help me have a good day. Help me make more money. Help me not to get sick. Help me to... This is... That's closed in. That's not the kind of praying Jesus does. Did He pray for Himself here? He prayed for Himself to have a good day? What a weak prayer. And yet that's how most... Probably 90%, 70% of our praying is me. I'm talking to myself. Not to you. And I'm saying... I'm saying, hey, I've got the private settings on to where this is all about Marshall. You know what? God don't hear that. He doesn't see that. He's not going to attend to that. Selfishness? He doesn't reward that. Nor do I as a father. Baylor, classic example, playing his DSI, absorbed in his own private world. I've got candy ready for him in the kitchen. I say, Baylor, come here, baby. Baylor, come in here. He can't hear me for one. When he finally does hear me, you know what he does? You know what his response is? Hmm. Hmm. himself up. I got something better than playing a DSI. He can play DSI and eat candy. Just like this guy. Hmm. That's what he does. How can we expect from God when that's our posture? When that's our attitude? One of Don't expect anything. Forget it, son. That's what I said to him. No more. Selfishness is not rewarded in prayer. We got to be open. This is the response. This is why we raise our hands to God. We're saying, pick me up. I need to be picked up. I need an open heart, not a closed one. How many of us are really closed in our praying? We've got the private button on. We're wondering, why? I don't understand. God never hears my prayer. It's because it's all about you. It's not about you. It's not about Marshall. Zig Ziglar probably said it best. He said... When you help someone else get what they want, you always get what you want. Man, that's straight gospel. That's what Jesus preached. Give up your life, you gain life. Forgive and you are forgiven. Love and you'll find out about what love really is. This morning, how's your prayer life? We're getting back down to the basics. That's what this message title is. Let's get back down to just the base level. Where did you start with Jesus? Prayer. Where's it going to end with Jesus? Prayer. The two most important things Peter craved, who's a Catholic philosopher, he said, two greatest things, most important things about prayer is to begin and to never stop. Yeah. That's what Jesus does even now. He did this prayer and never stopped. He's praying for us now. We can see Him right now. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Boy, He has to pray for me a lot. But that's alright. He doesn't mind. It's His ministry. What about you though? Who are you praying for? It's not just about us. You're praying for your children. You're praying with your wife. I always say, 
kind of jokingly, but serious. You know, the, the marriage that prays together stays together. The family that prays together stays together. The friends that pray together stay together. It's something eternal that we do. When we get to heaven, we'll still pray because we'll still talk to God. This thing of praying, you, I mean, you might as well start now. Like Bo. Just start blabbing. Just start going to town on it. And don't ever stop. You've got to start somewhere. Where are you today in that? Do you know God? Do you love God? Are you open to God? Or close, doing your own thing? Let's open our lives up to Him this morning. Rachel, I'm going to ask you to come and just play a song for us in order for us to respond. Now I know this time we normally kind of, all right, finally he's done, and you know, kind of think about supper and our lunch. What I'm going to do today? Don't, don't let Satan steal away the word of God. Not now. Not after we've spent this much time together already. No, no. This is precious time right here. This is time for you now to talk to God with God, ask Him to give you that love, give you that openness. And don't stop praying here. Let it start here and walk out of here with a heart of prayer. A heart toward God. Would you do that as we stand?